the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From Talk 910 KNEW San Francisco, this is Rob Black. Rob talks about your money every weekday, live and local, from 10 to noon. Enjoy the show. Live from the Bay Area, your money, your life. This is Rob Black. Welcome in. Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m., Show dedicated to getting you to retirement. You listen and I pledge I will do everything I can to enlighten you and entertain you on money issues. Sometimes it's going to be a little bit on the weak side and you're going to go, that's weak, Rob. Do I really need to hear about another video game sales record? Yes, I agree. Sometimes my content is on the weak side. This is not ideal. You know one thing that I dig, and I give this a lot of credit, my boss is here. They say every show doesn't have to be perfect. Today I've got a massive flu. I came to work coughing and wheezing. You're going to hear a cough or a wheeze, I promise you. I'm dying. Why? Because I got the flu shot. I'm convinced of it, but you know what? I think it'll save me later in the season, but earlier in the season, I think it just kicks your butt. What's your opinion on that? 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. Later in the month of November, I'm going to take some time off. That's why I didn't take today off. I'm going to take some Thanksgiving time off to spend with family. Family changes on a regular basis. I've got a uncle-in-law who recently woke up in the middle of the night dead. 60 years plus, overweight, woke up, wheezed, died. I've got a sister-in-law who's got a disease that's going to kill her one day. So, yeah, as you get older, holidays mean a little bit more. So I'm going to take some time off during the Thanksgiving period of time. But you know what? One of the things that Heidi and myself will do Heidi's my wonder producer. Maisie's my wonder dog. One of the things Heidi and I are going to do are we're going to produce some shows after the show ends, and they're going to be like stocking stuffers for you. So they're going to be brand new shows. You'll never heard them before, but I'll be in a different part of the country. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Sitting on the verge of a health bill. This has to be the number one story to you and me. As far as our money goes... In the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years. It's a story that's fraught with ups and downs and desires and hopes. It's a story that's fraught with mobile homes and health care. Heidi vented at me the other day. She goes, Republicans are kind of hiding behind our constituents don't really want free health care. And then she says, what about the Republican constituents who live in trailer parks and have no health care? And I'm like, she's right. Absolutely. See, in in economics and politics, there's no right answers. And that's what I hate about our current system. We only have left and right. We only have Republican Democrats. So we only we can't see any compromise. We don't want to. We could look at health care for all and say, great idea. We could look at the, the, the bill for it and say, bad idea. And then you still have to lump yourself on one of the other sides. It's silly. I want more political parties in the United States. Senate top Democrats today said they're close to finalizing their health bill, and that could ultimately unveil a measure as soon as early this week. That would include stiffer penalties on employers who fail to provide health coverage. 
Senate leaders plan to submit the bill to the Congressional Budget Office for a cost estimate as soon as Monday, that's today, and make the legislation public as soon as Tuesday, that's tomorrow. Details of the legislation could change, but its broad outlines are becoming very clear. Here's some of the broad outlines of what we could expect. Employers with more than 50 workers would not be required to provide health insurance, but they would face fines of up to $750 per person if even part of their workforce received a government subsidy to buy health insurance. Now, right there, I can already tell you, each employee is a good $4,000 plus, good $4,000 plus for health care. So every national employer is going to say, I'll take the fine. Now, a bill passed by the Senate Finance Committee had a lower fine of up to $400 per employee. Now, the bill to be brought to the Senate floor, it would create a new public health insurance plan, but would give states the choice of opting out of participating in it. This according to a proposal, proposal by Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid. He basically says his, his state's been devastated and can't afford this. Now, the bill is expected to expand health coverage to tens of millions of Americans by giving low- and middle-income Americans subsidies to offset the cost of insurance and expanding the Medicaid federal state insurance program to cover a broader swath of the poor. Most people would be required to buy insurance or pay a fine, though exceptions could be made for those deemed unable to afford it. Also expected are new rules on insurers to prevent them from denying coverage to people with pre-existing health conditions and from dropping customers' insurance once they become ill. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Let's go to Elliot and Campbell. Elliot? Hey, Rob, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, Mac. Uh, about, 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 uh, about five gold two grand, uh, about seven, eight years ago, and uh, I'm at a point right now where things are kind of tough and I'm kind of struggling on whether to sell these and, and get a nice return. I bought them for about 420 a piece, or uh, or hold on to them and hope for uh, a better investment in the future. Okay. Now, um, you want to let them go because you're hitting some tough times? Yeah, it's tough times. I mean, I could use the money, but if, if gold's going to go up a little bit more, I could struggle a little bit and, and hold on to them. Most economists think, Elliot, that gold is going to go up to about 1200 if there's any sight of inflation out there and or if the dollar continues to stay on the weak side. But okay. then again, could you do better in oil? I think he could do better in oil. Could you do better in other commodities? I think he could. Um, I see no case for oil going back to 600 or 700 or 800 or $900 an ounce. I see a case where it could go to 1200 but I'd prefer that you diversify. And keep in mind, the cost of trading gold is very expensive at times. With your Krugerrands, you're going to want to make sure that you shop for the best price, so that you don't get jacked up, or in this case, you're not allowing a discount in order to sell it. But I like gold for wealthy individuals as a good hedge. It should be no more than 15% of a portfolio. If you compare gold this year with other commodities, it's been a massive underperformer. All commodities, not just gold, all commodities do well in a higher interest rate environment um, and inflation. Thanks for the call, Elliot. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. Elliot had what is known as a Krugeran. Krugeran is a coin made with gold. It's that kind of simple. So let's go. Um, give me just a second. Again, I apologize. I'm a little under the weather today. So you got to work with me on this one that I got this nasty voice and every now and then I'm going to have to not hang up, but I'm going to have to hit the cough button and get rid of some of the phlegm. So Krugerrand, South African gold coin, has no bearing to the old pieces of eight, which was a pirate coin. 
which was actually made up of eight pieces. A Krugerrand is South African gold. It was first minted in 1967. It helped support the South African big business, which was gold mines. Krugerrand was introduced as a vehicle for private ownership of gold. It's actually intended to circulate as currency. Therefore, it was minted in more durable gold alloy. There's some white guy on it. I don't know who he is. Never had the question to ask. Maybe it's Chuck Krugerrand. Um, I don't know. That's about all I got for you. So it's, oh, and I guess I should throw out one more thing. Typically, it comes in four different denominations. It comes in an ounce, half an ounce, I think a quarter of an ounce, and then maybe a sixteenth or a tenth of an ounce. So, um, and that's all I got. I don't know who the white guy is on top of the gold coin, but they're gold coins that were meant to be traded as currency. Let's go to Nick in Mountain View. Nick. Hey, Ambassador Rob. How are you doing today? I am the ambassador for Maker's Mark. Thank you. Thank you for remembering that. Yeah, you need to drink a little bit of that and your uh, cough will go away. You know what I really like is, and this is going to sound silly of me. Oops. Got a weak microphone there. What I really like is Maker's Mark with like three or four friends. And what I mean by friends, I mean ice cubes. But I like to let it water it down a little bit because I think I'm a little bit of a sissy whiskey drinker. I kind of like the watered down version. I do like the melted ice cubes in there, and I like to stick my index finger in there and solve around a little bit so it gets a little bit on my finger. Yeah, that's my favorite. Now, what do you do when it's on your finger? You sit there and lick it. Really? <laughs> yeah. It chills out your finger a little bit. Yeah, and it's kind of nice. Can you... I think the, the finger actually helps the ice melt a little bit faster, too. Talking about stimulating radio, that's very sexual. <laughs> Sorry about that. No worries. No worries. No worries. I had a question. Um... I know you've always said about, you know, let your let your child buy their education and don't worry about their education. But, um, you know, I've had I've got about five thousand dollars set away for my daughter's 12. And what's the best way to go about getting you know more money rather than letting it sit in a savings account somewhere? OK, your daughter's how old? 12? 12. Yeah. OK, so you don't have a lot of time, all things considered. If you're going to set up a savings account for them, are we talking college savings account? Um, you know, college, you know, just to get her, you know, a better start, uh, you know, just, just something to help her out. Okay. What I tend to say, Nick, and forgive me for, I'm going to sin here when I say this, sometimes people's kids don't turn out the way they want them to. So I really don't want you saving money in their name. Uh-huh. I don't mind the 529 plan because you could take it from your daughter's name and put it in your name later in life. And then you can go to school or you could take it from your name. If you don't want to go back to school, you could put it in your wife's name. But the best way to save for college for a kid is in what's called a, there's a good website out there called savingforcollege.com. There's um, they'll teach you about the different 529 plans. You can go ahead and put the money in there, Nick, because it's after tax money regardless. And when if it grows a little bit between now and six, seven, eight, nine years from now, it'll come out tax free. So as long as it's used for education expenses, the best 529 plan and 529 is a dumb IRS code. Um, it should be called the. The, the USA college pay or something like that. It should be something that makes sense to people. Every state offers these because the way the way the, the code was set up with the IRS, it's done through states. But your kid doesn't have to go to Utah if you have the Utah plan. Your kid doesn't have to go to a California school if it's a California plan. Um, but that's basically the, the idea. For instance, I've got a 529 plan set up in Nevada. And um, Hawaii is good. Nevada is good. Utah is good. California is pretty good. But Utah, Nevada, better, in my opinion. Best website, savingforcollege.com. Another thing you can do is start up a website. Um, go to the website, youpromise.com. It's the letter U-P-R-O-M-I-S-E.com, youpromise.com. And uh, you can uh, put your visa 
tied towards it. And every time you get a Safeway, a little bit of money goes to your kid's um, 529 plan. So you get the 529 plan at Nevada. You get that account number. You put it on your visa. It's, it's like mileage points, but you don't actually have to get a mileage point credit card for it. It just automatically funds in that direction. And that's not a bad thing to do. What's cool about that is once you get the 529 plan number, you could tell your grandparents or your minister or your neighbors, here's my 529 number. And if you all put your visa card in it, you could all help fund my kid going to college. It's not going to be a lot of money, but it'll add up a little bit, a lot like, you know, mileage points tend to do in the first place. So that's what I would do as far as uh, where to allocate and, and fund the money. Keep in mind, six years, you're going to want to be on the conservative side. So your $5,000 may grow to 6000 maybe 7000 in that next six years. So it's not going to be a home run, but I wouldn't want you to go aggressive or growthy, in large part, you might be chasing some performance right now. That five thousand might become four thousand, ultimately recover to six thousand. But I wouldn't want you to panic at four thousand and sell everything and not know what to do. So that's what I would do. Thanks for the call. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's eight hundred three four five five six three nine to get your calls in the air. Coming up, I'm going to talk about the death of an internet company. It's finally gone. It's one of those companies that you and I probably lost our our web building virginity to. It's one of those companies in the 90s. Yep, time to smoke them, bury them, put them in the ground, raise a glass to them. Take a break here. Be right back. It's Rob Black Show, 800-345-5639. More stimulating talk. Way, way back in the 1990s, I was working as an analyst making money hand over fist with dot-com companies. Money hand over fist. There was one company I just never understood. It was GeoCities. Zoom, Angel Fire, GeoCities all came out. And uh, I kind of became a national well-known radio show talk host uh, in large part because I was a tech analyst. And I, I knew this stuff and I was making people money hand over fist. Now, today, GeoCities, their time is over. It's done. Yahoo's closing the site. That's right. Yahoo bought them. Let's talk a little bit about this. It's always imagined how this might end was that I thought GeoCities might have lasted to 2000. Came out, I think, in 94. Kind of got some traction around 95. And it was, you know, under construction website signs. That's always what it was. Always under construction. GeoCities is going down with a whimper today. And at one point in time, it was worth over $3 billion. Gone. Completely gone. A company worth $3 billion. Time's up for the company. Yahoo's scheduled to close what some people would refer to as a a landmark of the internet. Some people would refer to it as a a virtual museum of recent history on the internet. It's a massive chunk of American web surfers gone. They're going to lock their doors. They're going to take millions of pages offline today. GeoCities allowed... Anyone, this was the trick on the company, they allowed anyone to build a custom web page for free and reserved a small amount of virtual storage to keep pictures and documents. It was Facebook before Facebook. It was Twitter before Twitter. It was perhaps the first mainstream example of an open, participatory, personal internet. 
at the turn of the century. Isn't that a great line to say now? Now that we're 10 years almost into 2000, at the turn of the century, GeoCities was nearly ubiquitous. Everyone knew about it. Fathers created websites about their families, their kids. Uh, Kids created websites about Pokemon. Teenage girls created sites about the Backstreet Boys, because that's what we were listening to 10 years ago. Now, practically every facet of culture was documented in these search engines or these web pages. Now, that's the kick. This is a company that could have survived had they got into search. They had all of this content about us. You know, baby boy, baby girl, Backstreet Boys, uh, you know, kayaking, mountain skiing, adventure. They had all this data on us. And they never they never monetized it. GeoCity stopped accepting new registrations earlier this year. Existing users will be able to update their pages and save sites if you want to give Yahoo five bucks per month for web hosting services. And the decision to shut down GeoCities rather than to keep it was, you know, a res- historical reference to slap in the face. Ultimately, this was once, no, no, this is still one of the 200 most trafficked sites on the Internet. At one point in time, it was top 10. Now it's top 200. That's not that's nothing to sneeze at. I wish I was top 200 websites trafficking it. Now, Yahoo boosts that it closed nearly 20 services in less than a year. Uh, GeoCities, Yahoo once copied GeoCities, and they came up with something called Yahoo 360. The collapse of GeoCities, it has to be the most biggest epic failure. You know what, uh, epic fail? Have you ever seen a guy skateboarding down a, a ramp and he, he trips, loses control, breaks his arm and, and plants his face in cement? That's an epic fail. Epic fail. GeoCities has this unprecedented epic fail for Yahoo because Yahoo paid $3 billion for the company in 1999. Now, they, they continue to, you know, dominate user-driven net content. Now, failing to turn any significant profit from these pop-ups and banner ads, that was the question of whether GeoCities was ever to become cash flow positive. Was They would let you and I build a website, and they would put up banner ads, and people just didn't click on them enough. Turned out to be the company's biggest and most costly mistake for Yahoo, but for GeoCities, it just inaction led to cash flow negativity. Now, David Bonet, he's the guy who started the company, who was a tech-savvy businessman from Beverly Hills. He took an interest early on in emerging tech. In 94, he decided that everyone should be able to have their own websites. I mean, we're not that far removed. Now, again, for those of you who are 30 years older or younger, listen to this show, you know, you're a 10-year-old girl. 12-year-old boy when this was happening, so you may not remember it. GeoCities was originally called Beverly Hills Internet. For a while, short while, it was called GeoPages. The initial feature focused on two cameras situated in different parts of Los Angeles, one at their headquarters near Rodeo Drive, and another at a friend's office in Hollywood Boulevard and Vine, capturing 24-7 broadcasting on the web. So here it was, was just two cameras, throwing out images, and then we decided to build neighborhoods around them, pages around them. It really shows you how raw the material was. So ultimately, someone came up with the idea of let's do the Coliseum, let's do Hollywood, let's do Rodeo Drive, let's do Sunset Strip, let's do Wall Street, let's do West Hollywood. So by mid-1995, and this is only a year plus into the, the, the decision, there were what called homesteaders, and they wanted to turn geo pages into geo cities. They added Capitol Hill, they added Paris, they added Silicon Valley, they added Tokyo. So if, let's say, you were living in Washington, D.C., but your heart was in San Francisco, you could join the San Francisco community. 
company decided to focus on building membership and, and ultimately letting people develop their own pages inside that city. Before banner ads, before eBay, before Google, before Friendster, before MySpace, before Facebook, there was GeoCities and the single concept of neighborhoods. It's a shame it couldn't last. It just tells you that it was poorly managed. After Yahoo got hold of GeoCities, it killed the entire concept and it let people pick their own unique pages. It's a shame because there's nothing like that in the 2D world. In the 2D world, I live in San Carlos. In the 2D world, you live in Pack Heights. First website I ever built, well, I, I was in the mid-80s, I was building websites, bulletin boards. But first website most of us ever built was HTML virginity was, was GeoCities. You know, we'd, we'd get some Excel code in there if we had to. We'd get some uh, Word code in there if we had to. The story of GeoCities is the decade of, of a skydive out of a cloud. Beautiful, wonderful, graceful. Then they went to pull their parachute and, and start to get some earnings, and the parachute didn't open. Smack, bam, bloom, missed opportunities. Pancake on the side of the road. Roadkill on the Internet superhighway. Rest in peace, GeoCities. Rest in peace. Let's take a break here. 800-345-5639. Each calls in the air. 800-345-5639. If you want to comment on the death of GeoCities and the tragedy of it, is it that really tragic? Or is that just Darwin? I think that's my boy Darwin speaking up loud and clear. You don't evolve, you go down. $3 billion company. Down. 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show. 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Coming up next hour, I'm going to be speaking with a person named Vicus, Vicus from Rice University. Going to be talking about spending and impulse issues. Interesting stuff. But I want to get to some business news. I'm a business news kind of guy. It's the blood that pumps my heart. It's part of what I want to push you into so as to so as to get you to retirement on time. Homeowners walking away. Recent study came out that suggests that most homeowners have qualms about abandoning a mortgage that they cannot afford to pay. Some have qualms about a mortgage that they can afford to pay, even if it straps them to an investment that's unlikely to pay off anytime soon. A lot of these people who have lost significant value or if many neighbors walk away from their mortgage, the study says there's strategic defaults. You and I were having a beer right now. Let's say two beers, three beers in. Strategic default is a situation where you come to me and say, Rob, I bought a house in Concord for 700000 It's worth two hundred fifty. What I'll say is, dude, it's never going to be made whole again. If it is, it's going to take you 40 years. Strategically, what you should do is walk away. Go live with mom and dad and try this all over again in five, six, seven, eight years. It's an increasingly common question facing homeowners, many of whom have seen their properties lose large amounts of equity in recent years. Would you give up a home that is considered to be underwater, even if you could still afford the monthly payments? I don't like that idea. It makes me feel like I'm 
immoral for telling people to do that. But my goal is to get you to retirement at age 60. And if I have to tell you to go hook your hose up, for instance, my neighbor's on vacation. He's got an outdoor electrical socket. If I have to hook every one of my my appliances up to his electricity with extension cords, I'd do it. If that was my only goal of my only ability to get to retirement on time. I know you're saying, Rob, that's evil. (laughs) Yes, it is. Middle of the night, water your yard with his his water? Sure, absolutely. As long as he doesn't figure it out, right? Three academic researchers posed the question this year in a telephone survey to about 1,000-plus homeowners. And here's what they found, that when your mortgage exceeds the home value by less than 10%, most people, they see that as very rare that they would leave. But if the home value dropped to half the mortgage amount, 17% 17% would abandon the loan. You know what? Strategically, it should be more. I hate to say it. Hey, the bank took a chance on you and failed. Now, my mom and my papa, they honored their word. They honored everything they signed. Contract was a contract. Handshake was a handshake. I know. But there's a good article out on, you know, there's a good study out on what percentage you think it could happen. So I don't think we're done with this real estate market. Takeover targets. Barron's. Barron's is like my Jugs magazine. It's fantastic. What Jugs is to a 16-year-old boy, Barron's is to me, 30-plus investor type dude. Barron's reports with revenue growth harder to achieve, big tech companies increasingly are looking to grow via acquisition. You've seen it, right? You've seen... Oracle say we need to buy and roll up companies, whether it be PeopleSoft or Siebel or BA systems or Sun Microsystems. You've seen HP and Dell go after Pro Systems and EDS and IBM picking up services companies as well. Now, here's the, the companies that are going to be acquired. Riverbed Technology, ticker symbol RVBD. They're going to go to probably Juniper or Cisco or a bigger network company. BMC Software, I think they're going to get, be acquired. Juniper should be acquired if they're not doing the acquiring. F5 Networks, ticker symbol FFIV. Riverbed and F5, I think the first two to go. I think BMC Software can go any day now. There's no doubt about it. Without regard to takeover, portfolio managers assign these companies price targets. They're anywhere from 10 to 40% above recent levels. So there's a fundamental reason to like these companies, according to the article in Barron's. But there's also, these guys are going to eventually be acquired. F5 Networks, Riverbed Technology, BMC Software, I think they're the most likely. Another one that should go sooner than later is NetApp, NetApp, as well as Red Hat Systems. Now, just to go back in the Wayback Machine, Wayback Machine, Wayback Machine, Wayback Machine, Red Hat Software, at one point in time, Linux, people thought that Linux was going to be the Windows killer. It's not. What Linux was was the Sun Microsystems Solaris killer. Linux was close enough to business software that Mm. Suddenly, he didn't have to use Sun Microsystems. It was interesting to see the way that actually played out. So, 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639. Someone emailed me, and you can email me, rob at robbleck.com. Dave said, I just wanted to let you know that you used to recommend a website called etfconnect.com. And now it's changed. It's now dedicated to only closed-in funds. They're calling themselves CEF Connect. And ETFConnect.com automatically goes to closedinfundconnect.com. I didn't know that. That's good knowledge, and I appreciate you telling me that the website changed uh, hands. Now, the Wall Street Journal today is doing a nice piece on the dollar. 
and how it continues to weaken. But they're also doing an article inside that article on the yuan, which is China's currency. Concerns are mounting right now throughout Asia about the Chinese yuan and how it's descending. For more than a year, China has kept the yuan largely unchanged against the dollar. So like, and again, China has kept it. That's right. They actually have a policy of controlling their currency. Like the dollar, the yuan's been falling steadily against the currencies of China's neighbors, including the Malaysian ringgit, the Indonesian rupiah, and South Korean yuan. That makes goods produced in these countries more expensive compared with China's. Now, if you have one large economy in Asia lock itself against the U.S. dollar, everyone feels pressure. Even 5% in the context feels painful for other countries like South Korea, Indonesia, and Malaysia. Now, the countries that compete with China are at a critical juncture to stem the rise of their currencies against the yuan and the dollar. Their banks have in recent months been purchasing gobs of greenbacks and building their foreign reserves, and now those reserves are back up to precarious levels. I think China is going to be a 2010 story. And I know you're saying, Rob, please don't depress us right now. Please. As our economy is coming out of the recession, the one thing you've been saying for a while is that China's going to lead us, and they have. But when you start looking at the back half of 2010, which is where I'm starting to look, I see an economic slowdown for China. Now, a massive government stimulus package, they've spent more than 1 trillion won, i.e. $613 billion, of new bank lending, helping the Chinese economy jump 8.9% in the third quarter. Now, keep in mind, their economy is one-tenth ours. It's tiny. So China's important to the world, and yes, they are growing, but their stimulus is much bigger percentile than our stimulus percentile to our GDP. It's not a sustainable model for any nation. China is overdependent on exports at a time when the global recession has sapped demand for its toys, for their clothes, and for their electronics. China's government's $586 billion stimulus plan, it's added the imbalance and raised questions about overcapacity and asset bubbles. So we're going to see a slowdown in China. We're not going to see a recession in China. I'm not predicting that. But I think we're going to come off those big 9 10% growth numbers and get more of the 4 to 6 to 7% growth numbers. Be careful on how you chase performance. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800 345 Five six three nine to get your calls in the air. Now, when I'm telling you to be careful on Asia, nine months, twelve months from now, then not Asia on China. I'm also telling you to be careful on copper and aluminum. They're my plays on commodities. In large part, you have to become a little bit bearish on the metals amid worries that central banks are preparing to rein in stimulus. Brokers who deal in these metals, they're concerned that the economic recovery could falter once government tightens their belts and say no more spending. Consumers and traders say that the outright restocking of supplies, which could drive demand, is unlikely to happen until next year. Now, without the stimulus packages and without with relentless dollar, dollar weakening, the rallies in, cop, in commodities like copper and aluminum and nickel could falter. Now, keep in mind, short term, and I mean under six months, I like these commodities. Midterm, one to two years, three years, I haven't formed an opinion. I'm going to be quite honest with you. I got to see how we come out of this recession. I got to see what China is going to do to continue their growth. Is it going to be more government stimulus? If it is, I'll play along. Right now, I don't feel it. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Next hour, I'm going to talk a little impulse buying. I got some more content for you on what's happened on Wall Street today, including South Korea's economy. I got a little George Soros expert comment. I got a stock that I own. Is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea for you to own? I got some tech talk. 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show. 
got a massive bad flu. I've slept maybe two, three, four hours in the last 36, seven hours. So I ain't doing so good. But I plug away. 800-345-5639. Get your calls in there. It's Rob Black Show. 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. about a stock that I, I like. Oftentimes, I question whether I should do this or not. I own shares of this company. I don't want you to do what I do. I don't want you to be like me. I don't want to be your Buddha. I want to impart enough wisdom on you that you can do it on your own. Because tomorrow, if I have to sell this company, I'm not going to tell you I did it. There's no chance. No chance on the planet that I'm going to do that. I've made pretty damn good money with this company, and I've talked about it before on the air. With that said, I also sometimes trash the company because I wouldn't shop there. It's interesting to note, where I wouldn't shop, I would invest. Sometimes you have to say to yourself, let's do the right thing here. What's working in this economy and why? It's a company called TJ Maxx. Ticker symbol is TJX. Now, if you rifle through the racks at TJ Maxx, it's kind of an art form. They've got some good clothes there. They've got some damn good clothes there. But they've also got 90% of their clothes that I wouldn't even, you know, take the time to burn in my fireplace. They operate eight retail chains, including two largest off-price clothing retailers in the United States. They are TJ Maxx and Marshalls. Great place to get socks. Hey, if you need a 24-pack of socks, great. If you need uh, a designer shirt, you might be able to find one designer shirt out of 100 that actually doesn't have threads made in, you know, water-dissolvable solution. It's, it's awful. They sell brand name, family apparel, accessories, women's shoes, domestic gift wear, and jewelry at a discount. Some 875 stores nationwide. They offer a full line of shoes and a broader selection of menswear through 800 plus stores. They've got a home goods chain. I've never seen their home goods chain. But I get the feeling it's kind of like a, a bed, bath, and beyond. 320 stores nationwide focused entirely on home furnishings. While 135 AJ Wright clothing aimed at lower income shoppers. Now TK Maxx is the company's European retail arm. And they've got about 235 stores in the UK, Ireland, and Germany. So this is a big old international company. First thing to note is that they've grown their revenue for three years. Second thing to note is that they've grown their profit for three straight years. Third thing to note is they've grown their, their total net income for three straight years. Now, Barron's did a piece on them this morning, and they said they got another 15% upside. Keep in mind, the stock's gone from 20 to 40 this year. Retail remains poised to beat quarterly estimates and to be a winner in the holiday shopping season. TJX sells for just 15 times this year's earnings. Sharp discount to the median price to earnings ratio of 20 this year given to other specialty soft line retailers. What's a soft line retailer? You know what a hard line is, right? Say you go into Home Depot and you buy a bucket of paint and some wood and some nails. Those are hard items, very hard. Let's say you go into a TJ Maxx and you pick up a shirt and socks. Those are soft. Basic idea, one's apparel. One's a little bit more home issuey. Don't write that down in stone because that's not the true technical definition, but you get the idea. TJ Maxx uh, might deserve to trade in the upper 40s, given its dominant position, the sweet spot of retailing right now, tied towards accelerating sales growth. There's an area of sales growth that's doing well. It's not high end. It's not super low end. It's upper low end. And that's where TJ Maxx stores boost their comparable same stores growth that's beating expectations. Again, I don't expect this to be right for everyone. 
I throw it out there. In large part, you can see, Rob, we've been in a recession for the last year, and holy mackerel, you've made money. You see how that works? Like, at a time when you don't want to invest, you should be investing. Let's talk a little Bank of America. 800-345-5639. I got a flu. I'm dying. I'm not going to make it, but I'm still here teaching you all about money. Wall Street Journal did a piece on the Bank of America today and their attempt to pay back federal bailout funds. Remember in the Harrison Ford, Air Force One classic American movie where he tells the terrorists, get off my airplane. Bank of America wants to tell the United States government, get out of my bank. Maybe they should hire Harrison Ford to be their CEO. He was a good president, wasn't he? He got old fast, and Harrison Ford kind of freaks me out with that earring thing that he does. I don't mind that he dates skinny little Allie McBeal. I just don't like old men wearing earrings. It's just wrong. It's just wrong on so many levels. It's like old men with ponytails. It's wrong on so many levels. If you're 22 years old and you fight, in like Camelot as ye old knight as part of your job. That's fine if you're a waiter. If you're a waiter in one of those fairy tale fantasy restaurants, ponytail's fine for a man, but it ain't good for a 60 year old man. So anyway, um, I digress. Bank of America, they want to repay federal bailout funds. They want to escape the government's grasp. They've been snagged by disagreement. Now, this is one of the two big banks that haven't repaid the government their TARP money back. The dispute is gaining urgency in wake of restrictions handed down this week by the Obama administration, Pazar, which clipped compensation for top employees at Bank of America and six other firms. Bank of America wants to return the government's $45 billion, arguing that it's raised $40 billion of new equity since, since May, and they're able to survive without government help. Now, keep in mind, the United States government did what's called a stress test on them, and they figured out a worst-case scenario. And that's the limits that they're, they're playing with. Some government officials concerned about the bank's ability to absorb losses Believe it ought to replace at least some of the federal money with new capital above and beyond the $40 billion. So Bank of America says, hey, a year ago when we borrowed that money from you, effers, it was $45 billion and, and people were dying. People were talking global depression. Now they're not. So it should probably be $40 billion. Bank of America's effort is caught up in a broader behind-the-scenes discussion with the United States government over how to best gauge whether a bank is ready to exit the Treasury Department's TARP plan. They want to get rid of this. They want to get away from this fast and furious, especially before the end of the year. Why? Wall Street's all about end-of-the-year holiday bonuses. And I know you get mad at bankers who make $100 million because you decided in college that you're going to become an English major. I know you get mad at bankers who make $10 million because you decided back in college that you were going to be a psych major. They decided they were going to go after big bucks. They decided that when the state of California needs to raise billions and billions of dollars, they wanted a piece of the action, so they became bankers. Bankers and brokers get a piece of the action. And when the world needs money, we go, give it to us, Wall Street. But when we feel the pain, we look at them and go, oh, I wish I had your job, but I don't. Therefore, I don't want you to make that much money. The Bank of America, they, they borrowed money. They were told to borrow money. They were told to buy Merrill Lynch. Our government's played puppet master with the banking industry for a year. And like Harrison Ford said on Air Force One, get off my airplane. Get out of the banking system, Obama. Please get out of the banking system. Let them go back to what they do well, greed. Let them go back to what they do well, raise money so that the rest of the world can borrow it. Let them go back to what they do well, raise money so the state of California can build roads. 
their compensation is their compensation. If we don't like it, we don't have to raise money with them. We can go elsewhere. Sad but true, we need them. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639. Let me tease you with one story out there that I do love these stories. Netflix and Sony. They're going to make movies and TV episodes available for streaming. Netflix is really fast and furious doing everything that they can, as is TiVo, to, to use the word stream. As Brian Cooley said on the show on Friday, Netflix doesn't want to be in the industry of, of mail. There's not good profit margins, in it, but streaming there is. So Netflix and Sony, they're joining forces to make movies and TV episodes from Netflix available to be streamed instantly to TVs via the PlayStation 3. Nice. Now, Netflix expects the streaming via the PS3 system next month at no additional cost to Netflix members. So if you have a PS3, you can now stream television into your PS3, watch it on your TV. Because most kids, most kids, listen to me. People under the age of 25, they're not using their TVs to watch TV. They're using their TVs to play video games. But they could. Let's get a Chris in Oakland. Chris, what, what say you? Good morning, Robert. I have the easiest question you'll take all day. My question is, um, a couple of years ago, I started listening to you and heard uh, your numerous interactions with uh, Chad on the radio, and I took your advice to select a personal financial planner, a fee-based financial planner, to review my own my and my wife's selection uh, for investment choices over time for how we allocated our 401k proceeds and personal savings. And um, we've struck a nice relationship with someone who is recommended by the person that does our taxes, our CPA. Real and, quick here. Yeah, okay. So point punchline here is our fee-based financial planner has asked us to no longer pay her a flat fee, but instead take a percent of our um, invested holdings that she reviews. How do you uh, view that? How do you feel about her competency? Uh, she seems like she's a top player, does a good job. I'm much more comfortable paying her a flat fee for just checking up on our decisions and our choices and validating what we're doing than you know, giving her a management fee. And if if so, if you think that's a good strategy for us to let her have, in this case, she's asked us to give her 1% of the funds she'd have under management. That's not crazy, Chris. And the business model of hourly fee-only planners, it's kind of going the way of the dodo bird, because if you're good at what you do, you you graduate up to a percentage of it. How much is your portfolio worth, Chris, today, if you were to sell everything? Uh, about a million, too. I'll talk a little bit more about this in the next hour because I've only got 30 seconds left and okay. I'd give you short change if I did it that fast. Rick, stay on the line. Chris, I'll get to your question, your answer, right after break, 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. or stimulating talk. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.